Hey everybody and welcome to episode 2 of the podcast. Today's guest is Will Small. We've got to introduce you to a mutual friend and man I'm glad we had this conversation. Will is a poet, a preacher, a storyteller, a leader and an all-round nice guy. I really enjoyed this conversation. I learned a heap and I know that you guys are going to learn a heap as well. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did and I'll see you on the other side. Will, welcome to the show, mate. So good to be on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for coming on. Mate, I've been, I've been looking forward to catching up with you for quite a while now since a mutual friend of ours uh, prompted me to, to chat to you. So I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, me too. I, it was, uh, you know, I don't, don't get too many sort of out of the blue invitations to be on podcasts, but I'm a huge, I'm like a podcast junkie. I listen to them all the time. I, you know, make a few of them. So to be on somebody else's podcast is really cool. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're stoked. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was I, um, as you do, did a bit of a Facebook stalk and uh, um, checked out your your business that you've got going on. And we'll talk about it a bit later. But I noticed that you are a poet, which is, is really cool. So I just wanted to ask you to, just to, to get going. What what was the thing that made you sort of fall in love with poetry? It's a good question. I mean, I, it's, it is sort of a funny thing. I often joke about kind of accidentally becoming a poet. Like no kid sets out in the modern world to become a poet when they grow up. And uh, I was, you know, I was an ordinary high school student who thought poetry was dusty and boring and really completely irrelevant to my life. Um, but at the same time, I loved hip hop music and I was, and that was weird in itself, right? Like I was a little, uh, white privileged kid growing up in Canberra and, uh, suddenly it's a friend burnt me a CD with like some two pack songs on it and it changed my life. And, um, but then I realized like, I guess, you know, as time went on, I kind of realized I was a bit of a hypocrite because I pretended like I thought poetry was really, really stupid and boring, but I loved poetry over beats. Um, so at first I wanted to be just the greatest rapper in the world. That was really, you know, my goal. And, uh, yeah, there's some awkward, uh, awkward footage and memories from that time. Um, (laughs) but basically I had a teacher in, in year 12 who said to me, oh, you should go to this uh, thing called a poetry slam. Um, which, you know, more people know about what that is now, mainly through 22 jump street. Um, but yeah, I had, uh, I didn't really know what that was, but um, basically the poster said, you know, uh, you can't have any props, you can't have any music, it's just two minutes, your voice in a microphone. And it sounded real raw and kind of battle rapish. so I went along. Oh, yeah. And um, there's a really eclectic mix of people. Like there were some other kind of wannabe MCs like myself and there was a, a freestyle bush poet. There was like, you know, uh, some old poets, some young poets but everyone just got two minutes to share their story and it was a pretty fascinating night and it, it kind of hooked me in. I've been doing it ever since. So, yeah. That sounds awesome. So what what is slam poetry? Is that that kind of that the battling state, like side of it? Yeah. So basically it's a confusing world these days because, you know, like uh, I used to, I guess, really go by the term slam poet and I don't anymore. You know, I prefer just to be a poet or spoken word poet. 
Um, but basically what SLAM is, is started by a guy named Mark Smith in Chicago in the 80s who he was a poet. He would go to poetry readings at, you know, like bookshops or pubs or whatever and just felt like it was so boring and everyone was falling asleep, even the, even the poet. And uh, he was like, man, when did poetry become something that was kind of like just for the academic elite, for these really, really boring kind of poets? And he was like, no, we've got to take it back to the people. Poetry used to be something, you know, you think about Shakespeare and everyone was into it. He was like the Eminem of his day. So basically, it kind of like shaped the English language. Hundred percent, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. And so, yeah, basically, this Mark Smith dude says, "Well, anyone should be able to be a poet. Doesn't matter, you know, whether they're like uh, really crap or not. Anyone should be able to have a crack at it. At the same time, anyone should be able to judge that poetry and say that's rubbish. You don't have to have kind of a degree to be able to critique it. You know, any average person should be able to say, man, that's that's just not moving me in any interesting way at all." Um, so basically, yeah, yeah the, the poetry slam is like a competition, you know, poets get two minutes and you've just got to do whatever you can, just your voice within those two minutes. So people get pretty creative, you know, and uh, it really, yeah, that time limit, I guess, forces people. You've got to be, you've got to be on it. And then you've also got this audience which are going to judge you harshly. <laughs> so kind of, uh, yeah, wow. yeah. Sounds pretty Sounds pretty intense, but it also sounds like a. It would be a heap of fun at the same time. Like it is, from that yeah. creative aspect, it's really eye opening. Like I found that, uh, you know, I, I sort of run a spoken word night, which isn't quite a slam. It's not really a competition, but it's it's a similar vibe. Like we have DJs, and it's got a real sort of hip hop vibe, and yeah, awesome. you know, it's, it's a great night. But um, for me, one of the powerful things about slams and spoken word nights has been it's exposed me to all sorts of worldviews and people that i normally wouldn't hang out with you know and i've heard i've heard poems from refugees i've heard people from you know uh homeless people i've heard poetry from um people younger than me older than me totally different life experiences and yet somehow kind of uh it creates this space where all of those stories are are listened to and honored and it's very cool that is so cool that, yeah, that would be incredible, actually, because the if I'm being a hundred percent honest, the only the only real exposure I've had to poetry, besides I guess in music, or some things I've seen on YouTube, like in in person to person, was I remember going to a library and there was a this guy must have been ninety, I reckon, right. <laughs> but it was. Like I can see looking back on it that it was a it would have been a beautiful thing, but I just I didn't know how to appreciate it at the time, and it kind of I just had no idea what it was. So yeah. that's so that's so good that you are um, a part of bringing it kind of you know as you were saying being more relevant and um, I guess something that. Like Pete, as you said, you don't have to be an academic to to do it, and you don't have like kind of like the art world. Yeah. I feel as well is is becoming more and more like that. You know, you used to go to art galleries and yeah, look at things sure. and go, oh, I, "I that doesn't do anything for me," but you'd whisper that because people might think you're not interpreting it correctly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you might. But I feel like now it's becoming a lot more open. I'm sure there still are places where that is very frowned upon, but. Yeah, that, that's really cool, man. Yeah, and then the, I guess the reality of that is that this stuff is all around us. Like, it's just we don't often recognize where it is. You know, like, we everyone listens to music and, and so many of us, like, there are lyrics that, you know, 
that have spoken to our exact experience of life, you know, to the point where people are, you know, regularly tattooing lyrics on themselves, but, you know, they just haven't learned to see that that's poetry. And yeah. um, that was probably the big shift for me was not that, like, it was like I'd always liked poetry. I just had a really small boxed-in definition of what it was, and then that expanded and kind of continues to expand. I see poetry in great speeches. You know, I see it in kind of everyday conversation where people just use, like, a turn of phrase. Like, my, my son, who's three years old now, I think, maybe a year ago, like, he's just two-year-old, and he, he sees, like, one of those planes, you know, that leaves a, a sort of trail behind it in the sky, and he's like, Daddy, like, that plane is tearing the sky. And I was blown away. I was like, that's the best line of poetry <laughs> that I've heard yeah. in a long time as a two-year-old just observing the world. Just so phrasing, it's, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's, it sound, and it sounds so cool And when you notice it. Like um, there's a fellow that I like. He's on YouTube. His name's Jay Shetty. He he does a lot of like motivational things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I was trying to figure out why why does it, his videos sound so flippin' cool? And I watched him in an interview, and he, um, like you, has a love for poetry, a love for spoken word and language, and has kind of just figured out a way to put that into something that's educational at the same time. Mm. But you're learning, but it feels like you're, you, it's just a guy speaking, but it feels like you're in the middle of a song or something. Yeah, it, gotcha. It does do it. It does something to you in a way. It sounds a bit silly, I guess, but it not only hits your head, but it'll hit your heart as well. You know, like there's something about what sure. music does to you. Like you listen, I'm a bit of a hip hop fan as well, and you like you listen to some of these some rappers, and they've got um like it's just a really good groove, and their their lyrics are just really good. It's it's unexplainable. You're like, I don't know why this yeah. song sounds so good, but it it feels even better. Yeah, and you should feel it. I think that's. You know, I think a lot of people think about poetry and they think about something that they have to like mentally work mm. to understand and engage with. And it's kind of just a totally a brain thing. But I think great poetry, like great music or great art, like it should be like you're saying, it's something that you can feel but you can't quite explain. It's just doing something that you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's and I think that all good well good is the is a subjective term i guess but any creative um what am i trying to say anything that you are creating that is going to impact people comes from that place you know what i mean like i don't mm. i don't imagine there's much sort of famous artwork out there or music where people have purely created it because there's a system and they think it's going to sound mm. good like I think there's a yeah. little bit of that, especially in some of like the, um, today's music. But anything that's really stood the time has come mm. out of a story, and it's come out of the heart. And um, absolutely, yeah. And it, it it's really, I'm really interested in how that works and how then it's it's like transference as well. How then it it impacts other people. And um, yeah, yeah. That, that's so good. So where's that? leading to you now so you said you're running a uh what do you what did you call it uh, like a spoken word night yeah it's actually it's kind of on a, a little hiatus at the moment just to kind of uh dream about how it can okay. be fresh because i've been running it for four years and it's kind of become a little bit you know just 
set and forget and I want to have fresh energy for it. So having a bit of a break but planning to relaunch. But it's called Speak Up. And basically the concept at the beginning was, you know, uh, every Speak Up night has an open mic for anyone who wants to jump up and do a poem or rap or whatever. And then there's always a feature poet, you know, someone who's sort of been doing it for a while and is really going to give people that experience and that journey. And then there's always live art, you know, somebody uh, up the front painting something visual while the poetry is happening and then, you know, often a DJ or something like that. So really cool, really cool night. That sounds fantastic. And whereabouts is that? Uh, it, it was happening and, uh, you know, probably will happen again at uh, a little venue that I helped to uh, set up and establish for a crew called Musicians Making a Difference. Uh, finished up with, with those guys at the end of last year and, and starting a new creative endeavour. Um, but, yeah, basically it was kind of a creative community venue that was helping to raise funds for uh, youth programs with vulnerable young people locally. So it was kind of all coming full circle, really cool night. Yeah, so and good. then the funds from that night went into youth programs. Oh, that's great. And so that's that's based in uh, like the central coast of New South Wales, is it? Yes, in the art capital of Australia, Gosford. Gosford, yeah, <laughs> nice. Awesome. Have you always lived I in Gosford? I say that with uh, a lot of sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, no, I moved, to, I moved to Gosford, I moved to the central coast five years ago from Canberra. Okay. And um, but I actually love it. Like it's, it is one of those places like Canberra that people joke about. I suppose people probably joke about most places when they yeah. live there, but yeah, I talk um, about Brisbane a lot. There's not there's not a lot happening here in my opinion, but I'm sure. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. See, that's funny because I would think Brisbane's cool, but um, then again, maybe maybe you think Canberra's cool. The grass is, grass is always greener, I think. On the that's right. Else. That's yeah. right. I mean, I don't think too many people are having those sort of vibes in Melbourne or New York or you know Paris yeah. or whatever. But um, for everywhere else, everywhere else <laughs> yeah. is kind of self conscious. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I don't imagine there's a, a New Yorker out there going, man, I'd love to live in the suburbs of, of uh, Brisbane. But yeah. You never know. Who knows? Well, you, never, that's, you never know. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So what prompted the move from Canberra to Gosford? Uh, it's sort of basically no amazing reason. You know, I'd grown up in Canberra all my life. Uh, my wife, like I just been, we, we were married a year before we moved and uh, she lived in Canberra all her life. And we actually were just going for a walk one night and we did have this conversation about like, if you could just live anywhere in the world right now, where would it be? And we kind of came up with our top three and, you know, there was like the, the overseas New York sort of dream. And then there was like Melbourne kind of was our, our city in Australia that seems the coolest. Um, but then we were like, but you know, somewhere that's a bit closer, a bit more achievable. We'd love to live at the coast and the central coast where we are is sort of, just above Sydney, it's very easy to go into Sydney for, you know, for the, the benefits of the city and arts and culture, but at the same time, it's it's more coastal and chilled out. And um, My brother had moved up here about a year beforehand. We visited a couple of times and we were like, yeah, you know, if we could make it work, it seems like it'd be a nice place to kind of just have a trial run, move for a year, and then if we find that we're really missing Canberra, we'll go back there or we'll go somewhere else. Um, but we... Yeah, we fell in love with this place and had two kids here and uh, I guess met, you know, lifelong friends, people that will be lifelong friends here. So, yeah, I think we're going to be sticking around for a while. What do you reckon was the the thing that really made you fall in love with the place? It's a good question because, you know, there are a lot of things to not fall in love with. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an interesting place and particularly I moved 
ramped up uh, to do youth work. And where I was doing youth work was in one of the places in Australia with the highest rates of domestic violence and the highest rates of kids skipping out on school. And, um, you know, there's problems like there is anywhere, but they seemed really in my face. Um, so I think, I think for us, honestly, we just met really good people really early and we, we, um, have friends now that we've all kind of had kids at the same time and we've, you know, gone through our life falling apart a little bit with, <laughs> with uh, that together. And, you know, the, the amazing, beautiful aspect of that as well. It's all, it's all bundled in. Uh, but yeah. And just people that really have, uh, yeah, been incredibly loving for us at times when we've needed it. And that's always the way, isn't it? Like we love the place. We love, living near the beach and there's something about the the environment which is it is naturally really beautiful but obviously when you meet good people that changes everything so yeah it's the the people that are around you are key it's like uh you know we're just talking about new york city before i remember watching uh it was only yesterday actually i was watching uh, like a vlog on youtube and it was a guy who had lived in New York City for a year and still hadn't met anybody. So wow! It was, it, was, it was pouring out his heart on the on YouTube. I don't, I, probably not something I would have done, but he, yeah, he was. He said he'd never been lonelier. Yeah, and he'd moved there to because you know he'd seen it was the place where everything happens and everybody knows everybody and this yeah. sort of thing. So it is so true. If if you don't. If you don't have a group of people that you can love and trust, and that and that love you around you, it um any anywhere doesn't feel like yeah. A nice place. And it's probably a common experience, like moving somewhere thinking it's going to be amazing because of the the arts and the culture or the job opportunities or the economy or whatever. And if you don't if you don't meet those people early on, you can be incredibly lonely in an amazing place. Especially if you're not a super extroverted person, if you're. Yeah, if you're. A, you know, I'm not. I'm not an extrovert. I'm a. Oh, I think I'm an extrovert, but I'm. I'm a pretty shy extrovert. Um, so somewhere like that, if I was to move there, it would take every ounce of effort, I reckon, to to go out of my way to meet these different people. I think it'd be yeah. pretty tough, to be honest. For sure, I think we were lucky. I think yeah, there's definitely an element of just you know you put yourself out there and um, make the effort, but you also kind of you get lucky sometimes and. And we, we often say, you know, we sort of say, man, these people, they seem to love us as much as we love them, which feels crazy because we think we're pretty ordinary. And, you know, that's awesome when you, you meet people that see something in you. Uh, and, yeah, you just feel like, ah, oh, it's it's crazy when it's, yeah, mutual like that. Yeah, that is. That's so good. And that's so good that you found those people as well. So it sounds like you are going to be there for a while, which is which is good. Yeah, for so. sure. So I want to talk to you about this uh, this next venture that you kind of hinted before, which I, I think it's the one that I'm that we're both talking about called um, Lead by Story. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I don't know if you've ever seen there's a uh, there's a famous Steve Jobs speech where he talks about connecting the dots, and I'm not you know I'm not comparing myself to Steve Jobs you know in any significant real way, but he talks about how he dropped out of uni and then ended up back at uni and sort of ended up going to some calligraphy classes. And I don't even think he was an enrolled student. He just went because he was interested in calligraphy, kind of learnt some of the basic concepts. And 
Somewhere during that time, he actually had been fired from Apple, the company he started. And when he went back to Apple, it was post doing these calligraphy classes for no kind of formal credit. And when sort of the first, uh, you know, Mac computer came out, one of the reasons it was successful was because it was the first computer that had multiple fonts, which was because of doing calligraphy. Yeah, wow. So really cool speech and cool story. It's sort of one of those things that stuck with me. But, you know, he talks about that idea of you just don't know how the dots are going to connect, but they will. Nothing's a waste. You know, everything you do can kind of become part of what you end up doing. And for me, you know, since I guess getting really into poetry, I feel like I've had sort of that open question around, you know, I love this and and spoken word and poetry has been a, a big part of my life, but what do you do with it? And I study English and philosophy at university. It's like honestly the most uh, abstract and unemployable degree that you can do. And then found <laughs> myself, yeah, I loved it. But it sort of was, you know, definitely didn't have any clear idea of what, what the job was going to be at the other end of it. But I didn't really care about that, which I think is probably a good thing. I was just sort of pursuing what I was interested in. And, um, yeah, found myself doing uh, youth work and sort of starting to mash up, you know, these elements of, of poetry and wanting to get kids more connected with English and uh, how I found that poetry was also helping with other sort of issues, you know, like helping to build confidence and helping to helping people to form their identity, basically. And, um, yeah, so some dots started to connect, uh, but there was still kind of a bit of a missing link. And I found that I've, I've sort of swung between at different times feeling like I'm either really into my own creative practice and I'm, I'm writing and it's awesome, but I don't really – it sort of doesn't feel like it's doing much in the world. Or I've had these moments where I'm really into, you know, running great events for other poets or running, you know, workshops in schools, mentoring a lot of writers and poets, but I end up stopping my own creative practice. So I've sort of had this ongoing, you know, kind of tension of how do I be authentically, uh, you know, the poet, the writer, the voice that I am, while also being true to this part of me that wants to help develop others and wants to help others to become better at using their own voice uh, to achieve their vision in the world. And then also just kind of going, how do I carve out a career that is, um, yeah, true to, true to my passion, but also is sustainable and viable and adds value to the world beyond just in my head. So anyway, long, long story short, the way my dots have started to connect is, you know, really realizing that actually, even though poetry still seems like something that's pretty niche, you know, there aren't there are a whole huge number of poets that are really just, you know, killing it in pure poetry world. Yeah, it's not the most sort of main mainstream, I guess, to use a, to coin the term. No, that's right. And there, there are a few poets, like the spoken word thing, there's definitely a few spoken word poets which, are, you know, they've been able to be really successful purely from their poetry. Uh, but I, I've kind of found that for me the way that that's really uh, being able to find full expression is actually going, well, the skills of a poet are useful for yeah. anyone. Uh, and when I think about what the skills of a poet are, like I mean being able to um, squeeze the biggest and most, you know, sort of uh, like tangible, you know, huge ideas, squeeze them into the fewest, best, most punchy mm. words. Yeah, definitely. And so... 
I think everyone could could benefit from that, right? There's so much noise in our world. There's so much, uh, so much, you know, so many messages. It's hard for anything to be heard or to cut through. So basically, yeah, lead by story is kind of about me continuing to produce my own work and and to use you know my own platform to to write books and and to write poetry and to make podcasts and do fun creative stuff. But at the same time, I want to get alongside any communicators, whether they're they're teachers or whether they're business owners or whether they're public speakers or whether they're you know entrepreneurs and really help people um, to actually use skills of a poet to become better at clarifying exactly what they do, why it matters and how they can move people into action, whatever that looks like for them. That's so good. That is, and I think that it, you have found an, an enormous need, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I look at uh, probably about a year ago, I was beginning to sort of mission statements and finding what, what is my mission statement and mm. mission statements and, and, um, you know, I, I go, oh, this is a good one, and it, I'd, I'd spend all this time writing it out, and it's almost a page long. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Not, half a page. I'm like, there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to remember any of that, and also half of it, like 90% of it does not need to be on that page. Yeah. You know, and you look at the some of these other businesses and things, and you, you go onto their website, and you go to their About Us, and it's... I have a pretty short attention span. I've probably got ADHD or something, to be honest. But um, I don't even last on the page because there's just too many, too many words. Like I don't know what you guys are about. Yeah. But, um, so that's that's awesome if you can use those those passions that you have and that that creative art to then also help other sort of businesses and people, like you said, and and um public speakers or anyone really that wants to communicate a, uh, anything, which is, that's so good. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, it's, it's the poetry, which I guess is about getting the language sharp and effective and making sure that it has cut through. And then the other side is obviously the storytelling, um, which, you know, is about that fact that the one thing that does engage people for great lengths of time is story. Like we, you get lost on that about page on the website, but, you can sit and watch a two-hour movie and be captivated the whole time because that's, that's you know, as humans, we're narrative-driven yeah. creatures. We want things uh, to be following the arc of a story. Um, so those two tools, you know, getting really sharp with your language like a poet and understanding how to use story to bring people in and to captivate them, uh, I think, you know, those are – and this, I do a lot of work in schools – you know, run a lot of spoken word poetry workshops and, you know, speak to a lot of kids like me that think poetry has nothing to do with my life. I don't want to become a poet. But it's, you know, it's really being able to tell those kids, well, actually, there are things that you would want to change in the world. No one's going to listen to you if you just do a little ranty Facebook post. But if you actually learn how to use these skills, then you can actually, you can grab people's ears and, and change the way people see the world. So, yeah, it's powerful stuff. It is certainly powerful stuff, and I think, as you said before, there's there's just so much so much noise out there at the moment. It's just got even even on Instagram. I've just started getting back into Instagram, trying to you know promote this podcast and yeah. things like that. And man, some of it you go, I have you have a photo, but I have no idea what you are trying to yeah. say right now. And, and and then you you hit the see more, and it's about ten paragraphs of writing or something. You're like. I don't know if it's just me, but 
Yeah, I haven't got the time to search through all of that to try and like um, figure out what's going on there. But then you look at For people sure. who obviously um, have got it going on. They've it, it might be two lines or even a line, but something about what they've written just just hits you. You know, you go bam, that's powerful, or that's um, yeah, for sure, like a good 100%. quote. You know, like a good a good quote. You can kind of look at it and it goes instantly. You know what it is and how you can use it in your own life. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's all these like you know I do a fair bit of speaking. I'm, I'm uh, also a couple of days a week. I'm a pastor. At a local church, okay, and um, that's like my side hustle. But it's <laughs> <laughs> a good side hustle to have. Yeah, no, I love it, and it definitely that's a part of for me. I want to always be in two spaces. I don't want to be um, there, you know, full time. Sort of in that can become a bit insular, can become a bit of a bubble. But at the same time, if I wasn't there in some capacity, I feel like I would be also not being fully true to a, a significant part of myself. So that balance is important. But there's all this depressing stuff, right? Like I, I regularly give, you know, uh, I regularly preach, which essentially, you know, I'm basically giving a monologue for 20 or 30 minutes. Um, but there's all this stuff around, you know, 15 minutes later, people have forgotten 90-something percent of what you've said if, if you communicate in that kind of format. Um, and it's true not just for preachers. It's true for anyone who does lengthy speaks, um, speaking. And it's why TED Talks are like, you know, generally pretty concise, like they're under 15 minutes. And I did this thing a couple of years ago. Uh, there's a group in Australia called the Funding Network. They might actually be international, um, but the Australian Funding Network, they run these events where they basically okay. get three individuals who are from different nonprofits and they take them through uh, some coaching around how to pitch ideas to funders. And you have to come up with a six-minute pitch and then they put the three people from the three different nonprofits in a room with wealthy people, and you basically each give your six-minute pitch, and then they do live crowdfunding. And on the night, you walk away with you know uh, a pretty decent chunk of money for your project. But there was this whole thing in that as well about like people are going to remember from six minutes the same that they would remember from sixty minutes. So if you feel like you need more time, you're not actually giving people more information. You're just again adding to that noise, adding to that, you know, that stuff that people have to continue to be confused by or wade through. So it's like a, it's a, it's sort of a bit depressing for people that do speak longer than that. But at the same time, it's kind of this empowering thing that, hey, you know what? If you got something to say, you can, you can cut it back to the essence, and you should be able to communicate it to people, you know, in a sentence or in a brief conversation or in a six-minute pitch. And if you really really know your stuff then you should be able to do that as well you know like um i think yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the times um even for me i like i started a tried starting a couple of businesses before and i probably didn't know my why enough and so when right. people would would ask me oh so what is this business what's it about i would spend all this time trying to explain probably more ex trying to explain to myself what it was but you could, I could just look in their eyes and see that they're on another planet now. You know, they've just glazed over. And so, yeah. but I, I now see that, you know, one of the examples, I guess, is that yeah, you probably watched the TV show Shark Tank where they come yes. and do their pitching. And you can definitely see what you're talking about there where you, you've got the guys who within two minutes of walking in, they've pretty much got all those investors on the edge of their seat going, how can I, 
how can yeah. I be a part of this? Because they've been able to tell a story. Whereas you've got some that by the end of their allotted time, there's so many questions from the, the sharks or the investors because they haven't, they're still trying to figure out what's going on, you know? So, yes. And when you're asking for a lot of money, you want, you want to be concise and clear, that's for sure. 100%. <laughs> what do you reckon are, I don't know if this is possible, but what, what do you reckon are some tips for anyone that's listening for, for anything in their life? Say they're, they've got a, a, a pers- personal sort of mission statement that they, they want to work on. Are there any sort of simple tips that you can give people to start the process of making Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think the first tip and a practice of mine, which I, I am often teaching groups of people is, um, you know, it's a bit, sounds a bit funny, but it's healthy to take a dump yeah. regularly, right? It's, it's actually a good thing to take a dump every day. If you don't <laughs> sure do that, is. you know, it's, yeah, it's, you don't want to face the consequences of just letting things build up. Yeah. So there is a time to just get all the noise out and to just get everything that's swimming around in our, our mess of a brain, you know, out of our brain. And so when I'm in a healthy rhythm of life, I start every day doing a dump and just, you know, the stuff that's in my brain, just writing it down, whether it's, you know, just the household chores I've got to do or the big ideas I'm kicking around or the things that I'm processing, uh, you know, things that I haven't quite resolved in my mind. And when we do just like fill our life with stimulus all the time, um, we're just constantly like listening to podcasts or watching Netflix or on the go and we don't create space to let stuff out, then we actually, yeah, we're not doing ourselves any favors and we lose the the ability to get to that real essence and core, our mm. why, like you were speaking about. So the first thing I would recommend to people is to do that, like get everything out. And that's not for public. That's just for yourself. Put it on a page, do a dump, even just put on a timer, you know, just put on a, a three minute timer. And from the beginning of that timer, your pen can't stop moving until the end and you'll be amazed at what comes out but then you don't leave it there you know the next step is as you kind of develop a practice like that of getting things out and seeing everything before you then you go back and you kind of do the work of seeing what are the repeating themes what are the things that keep coming up what are the key words and out of that you know the work of uh editing you know, any any great piece of work, any great piece of writing or music or whatever, like usually has had more removed than added, you know, after a certain point. You know, you think about, I think there's a quote, you know, Michelangelo about the statue of David, basically, you know, David's in the in the piece of marble or whatever and all he did was to remove. You know, there's no adding, it's just removal. So you got to have something to remove from mm. though. So basically my tip for people is get everything out there but don't, put everything out there publicly, that's what a lot of people do, get everything out there privately and then do that work of, you know, identifying what are the things that keep coming up, what would it look like to cut every single word here that is just adding noise, that is insignificant, and what am I left with? And that's the thing I'm going to continue to refine and and revisit and it is going to become the thing that I eventually can share really confidently with people. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. So that and that just as you said, looks like just grabbing a piece of paper and a pen, setting a timer, just going for it for three minutes, writing down whatever comes to your head. There's no, I'm guessing, there's no real, there's no formula. You're not, you're not trying to think through. No, you want to, you want to avoid that. And part of it is getting to the other side of our brain. Like you know, we often 
we're, we're very used to in our culture operating in our kind of logical, rational brain where we're very critical of, you know, our ideas that are a little bit out there and um, makes it hard to be creative. So part of the dump is about just getting, getting like snapping yourself out of that rational, judgmental, um, critical mindset and just getting into that free, exploring, creative space. And what that then does is actually um, you find all these things that have been kind of dwelling in your subconscious that you've been <laughs> sort of not allowing yourself to get to. But often it's it's in those places where you find the gold. It's in those places where you find the kind of deeper parts of you that you've, you know, ignored or neglected for a long time. So, yeah, nothing more powerful than just doing yeah, a dump every day. I'll, I'll, I'll take that on board. That sounds like, yeah, I've, n- I've never done anything like that. So I'm definitely going to start doing that. Because uh, for me, especially, I found even in the last or oh, probably six months. Um, so I, I originally started a, this podcast. Oh, I would have been the the first episode that I um, did was three or four months ago now, I think. And I kind of, I think I was in that situation where I just had so much stuff in my head that I had, I just couldn't think about what I actually wanted to do or. You know, I had all this yeah. stuff in my head that I thought I could understand, but then if somebody asked me what's in your head, there's no chance. And um, I actually went and saw like a counsellor to try and talk about how do I get this stuff out of my head. And similar yeah. to similar to what you're saying, but I think I probably did it more, instead of writing it down, it was actually just talking to somebody who would listen. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great... You know, I think that's actually an awesome move. Like I, I see a counsellor and I probably will do that now for the rest of my life. I probably had a bit of stigma about doing that beforehand. But now I'm like, man, just being able to talk to somebody and, and again, do a verbal dump um, with someone outside of my regular context is such a good thing to do. Yeah, it's so freeing. I had so much stigma around it as well. And then, um, yeah, when I went there, I was I was blown away. I just – just – even like the first time I went there, you know, you kind of come away going, ah, oh, that was that was interesting. It was a different experience, yeah. even though it was just talking to somebody. It wasn't that scary or anything. But then the, definitely the second time when my counsellor kind of then started to um, to uh, almost started to help me with that editing side. Yeah, gotcha. that was incredible. I was like, well, this is powerful. Yeah, more every everybody needs to do this for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, it was incredible. The one thing I was just going to say there as well is, um, so people that do this dump, then they do the editing. Do you reckon, is there much of a formula then to try and, you know, I think just from my personal experience, I've I've sort of done this work and then I've come up with, a, say, two or three things and I'm going, man, what do I, what do I run with now? Like how do I... Um, how have you found yeah. that in in your experience? Like, I'm guessing with the 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 poetry sound side of things, it sounds like that's been a, like a a real passion of yours um, for a long time, and you've kind of gone with that. Do you think there's? Do you have any sort of tips or? Um, yeah, trying to think tips or methods of kind of just picking that one thing and going it all in on it. I don't know if that makes sense at all or. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I know that, like, um, my personality type, not sure if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but 
I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 7, which is kind of oh, yeah, people that it. love to just start things aren't necessarily oh, the strongest at finishing them, very enthusiastic at the beginning and, you know, always sort of looking for a new adventure. So I personally struggle with this. Like I, I definitely find that I am probably similar to you in what you were sharing before. I always have more ideas in my head. Um you know, more I've got, I feel like I'm coming up with a new podcast concept every day and I'm really having to kind of rein myself in. And, yeah. and that self-awareness is huge in that. Like self-awareness obviously is a, is a significant uh, tool in being able to recognize that and then go, okay, I need to do less. Um, but I do think that a thing that I've learned and continue to learn is that things take longer than I normally uh, would want them to and doing things um, my counselor actually mentioned the other day you know like um, it was in a different context but he's talking about when you're really processing some complex things slow is fast if you want to actually do the work and you don't want to do it a second time then you need to go slow and I've found that like I'm about to um, mm. put out my first printed collection of poetry and it's got poetry in there that's been written over the last 10 years. And there's some stuff in there from 10 years ago that I'm like, this has stood the test of time, mainly because it actually looks kind of like some of the things I'm still writing about. Whereas there are other things that from 10 years ago, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that version of me existed. I never want to see that again. But it's kind of that, you know, <laughs> that journey of time, you realize that there are, I think, some key themes um, in your life. And, you know, it's where people might use a word like calling. It takes a while and I'm still, I'm not going to be naive and pretend that I've kind of arrived at all of this stuff completely, but I see certain things that just keep coming up. And I see that because things like doing the dump, things like the Enneagram, even like that self-awareness stuff helps me to kind of recognize repeating patterns so that I can really go, there's something here that I need to sit with. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think I probably like my gut instinct and probably our culture's gut instinct is like, yeah, I want to come up with a vision. I want to come up with a vision statement. I want to have this really concise, you know, thing. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to set aside one hour to do it this Thursday afternoon or whatever <laughs> when, you know, that stuff. And I mean, set aside the yeah. one hour and have a crack, you know, get, get some stuff out there, but also give yourself those realistic expectations that this is going to take time. And it's a balancing act because, you know, you can become so perfectionist about that. You can, you can become crippled and you can go, well, I, I, you know, until I know exactly what my why is and I've got it in my one sentence and it's absolutely perfect, then I'm just not going to do anything. You don't want to end up there. But at the same time, you want to kind of just humbly engage in what's the next right thing, what's the most responsible way to move forward with what I currently know while also continuing to do that work of uncovering and exploring and digging around for the things that you're really moving deeper into. Like I think for me, you know, I, I feel like I've consistently over the last few years moved closer and closer to my sweet spot and to, to that connecting the dot stuff and, you know, integration, yeah. becoming a, a more whole person. But I also know that I'm further away now than I will be in a few years. So, yeah, just got to keep doing the work. Mm. That's awesome. That's 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 really good stuff. The the self awareness is is key. Um, the enneagram. My wife and I. We've just. I want to say just. I think in the last probably six months or so, we've we did the enneagram test and we've gotten right into that. So I'm a 
every time I do the test, I get either a three or a seven. Oh, so, my man. <laughs> <laughs> so seven, just like you. And then the three side is that um, the achiever. So that that is the side of me that just wants, pretty much just wants to win yes. at all costs. Um, but yeah, one you're talking about thing doing the work and things that stand the time. You know, the, my counselor as well, he kind of just said, you started all these things that you were at one, at one stage passionate about, but then, you know, I would just stop. And then he's like, you're never going to stay passionate about something if you don't keep doing it, which yeah. I thought was pretty gold, you know. So one of the things that I've been really impacted by and, and now am doing, like for, with this podcast, for instance, I just kind of decided, you know what, stuff it. I was really passionate about this at some at one stage. I'm really passionate about it again now. Mm. Why don't I just do it? Stop overthinking it. Interview people that interest me, and I can and have a chat to them, and then find exactly what what I want to do along the way. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think that's that's some advice I'd give to some people as well. Is I'm a I'm a big overthinker. But I also want to do things super fast, which is a it's a ridiculous tension in my <laughs> brain. You don't want to be in my brain at some at times. I feel like uh, your brain sounds pretty similar to mine, actually. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, we would be when you were explaining before about how you're a seven. I was like, "Yep, that is me. Yep, I've got that." Um, so yeah, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's it's that whole, um, you know, no one's. Everything you see around that is um, quote unquote successful. Someone has put in the work, or people have put in the work to get it there. You know, nothing yes. is going to come overnight just because you suddenly find your passion. Um, and you know, passion, you have to, yeah. you have to um, put stuff out there and learn to, you know, receive critique. And mm. yeah, I, I sort of feel like you, you can't just emerge one day from a cave and uh be you know your first public sharing of anything is you know like a symphony you know mozart yeah. symphony or whatever like you you do have to like there is um stuff that i put out there publicly now that i'm like oh geez i wish there wasn't still evidence for that i wish i could you know delete that but then i look back at it and i go actually you know what i did that and somehow i kept going and that has actually enabled me to to continue to do that self edit process, which wouldn't yeah. have happened if I hadn't have kind of just started to do some stuff. So, you know, you, you have to learn as you go. And you you can flip it as well by going, which is something that I've started to try and get into my own head. Is going, you know, like for my example would be this podcast. I'm my my first two podcast episodes are not going to be the same quality as say a uh, I don't know if you follow Tim Ferriss or any of these mm. you know, massive podcasters that have done four hundred or or a Joe Rogan who's done I think two two thousand yeah. five hundred episodes or something yeah it's crazy <laughs> um, which is just nuts of course you're going to be awesome by the time you get to there but I I'm starting now to look at it as a it's a it's a body of work rather than just individual um, episodes, and so yeah. part of part of that art and the creativeness is that you know who who knows in ten years' time someone can look at it and go, "Wow, you know what Richard took from his he listened to the first episode to this one ten years later, 
and it gives them the confidence and it's it's something that they can look at then and go, wow, this is a documentation document of somebody working hard to make something happen, you know? And so I think when you start thinking about it like that, which I'm starting to do, um, yeah, it's, sure. it's less intimidating to, to put something out there. You still want to always make it as good as possible, but knowing that, hey, as long as the next one is a little bit better, that's all that matters. Yeah, 100%. And I think part of the attraction of podcasts anyway you know, they're the fastest growing uh, media form at the moment. And I think that's partly because they are um, probably less produced typically than other forms of media. I mean, obviously, there are some highly produced podcasts, but there are a lot of podcasts, you know, that are really successful, Joe Rogan or whoever, that literally are just people having a conversation, just pursuing, you know, where it goes, as if we're just sitting in the room together, having a conversation that would be interesting, even if nobody else ever heard it. Um, and then, you know, people do want to listen to that because it is, it is kind of more real and authentic and, uh, yeah, it's, it's part of what I love about it. I love just listening to other people just switch the mics on Yeah, and, you know, interesting people just having interesting conversations. And you feel, yeah, you feel like you're, you're at the, in the room with them and, um, it is cool. And the thing I like about the podcast as well is, you know, it's encouraging a lot of, um, especially like uh, people who are like controversial guy, but Jordan Peterson, people like that around who have got these, mm-hmm. these big philosophical discussions that they can't, you can't explain it in four minutes on sunrise, you know, or, yeah. or whatever, um, a morning show. You need a podcast that's going to go for at least an hour, an hour and a half to even hope yeah. to get your point across. And from what I can understand from what I'm reading on the internet and things like that, quite a lot of these, um, a lot of celebrities and a lot of people who are just sick of getting their words edited by sort of mainstream media are now only going on people's podcasts and things. And it's pretty incredible. Yeah, gotcha. It's a bit of a, uh, I think we're at an interesting time in sort of, in media, but also in, especially in like journalism and things like that, it's it's really really changing which is cool so see what happens yeah Yeah, that's awesome and so do you think you'll be starting up a podcast in the in the future then yeah so i've got a couple that are um in the works and i guess i'm lucky i've got um i got a grant from uh the local council um basically to produce uh one which the um the concept is I'm going to, it's kind of like if you imagine humans of New York and then you put that on the central coast and you mash it up with as if you walked into a poetry slam. So basically what that looks like is I'm going to interview interesting humans that live in my community, some of the people that are, are well-known, some people that are totally unknown, you know, a mix of, of young and old people that have moved here, people that have lived here for a long time. Uh, but basically a mix of interesting humans. I'm going to interview them and then afterwards I'm going to write a poem which kind of captures a snapshot of their story and basically that's how the podcast will kind of close out. So you have the interview and then you have kind of this summary that's sort awesome. of poem. That sounds great. Yeah. So And then I kind of want to basically um, use that as the platform rather than making, you know, a 100 other podcasts. I want to start that on the Central Coast but then I'll probably continue to use that format 
and just move into other topics that I'm interested in at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm really challenged by, uh, I guess, gender gender justice sort of issues and in particular, like I'm, I'm a dad of two little boys and, uh, you know, people generally feel kind of like, oh, if I have a daughter, I'll be, you know, I have to be afraid of what might happen to them. But mm. for me, you know, there's the fear of, well, I don't want my sons to be the ones adding adding to, you know, the the terrible statistics around gender violence and gender injustice and you know so um i'd love to do a series of podcasts interviewing women who you know i look up to uh, like you know a whole range women who are in business and leadership and and women who are full-time parents and and women who have you know sort of got a few decades uh you know under the belt and then you know younger women sort of trying to navigate yeah how it was look like to grow up in in this current current cultural moment so, yeah, I'd love to do that and kind of just use that same format again and kind of just, yeah, continue to kind of mash together people's stories, uh, some of those really pressing issues that we need to kind of continue to have good conversations about and then how does poetry kind of come and summarise some of those ideas creatively. Oh, that sounds so good. That's a that's a fantastic idea. I love that um, that that gender issues and that that's a that's a, such a big thing at the moment. And well, it's always been a big thing, and it's I think it's only getting becoming more of an issue. So if you yeah, if you can speak into that, that'd be fantastic, and and tell the stories of of those women, and yeah, that man, that sounds great. Yeah, it's a funny one because I'm sort of that's one where I'm like I I want to be careful. Obviously, you know, it's not like hey, I'm a man who's going to come along and make a podcast that's going to fix this problem, but you know, I honestly want to ask you know, a diversity of women, hey, as as a man who has been really challenged about this stuff um, and really challenged, you know, personally, like um, my wife has uh, educated me and, and, you know, I guess opened my eyes so much to the experience of women, um, just the everyday experience, and I'll never fully understand it, but just of having to think through things that I've just never had to think through, mm. you know, kind of with some of my I guess just default privilege. So I want to ask a variety of women, well, I'm challenged about this stuff, but how can I actually, how can I help? When do I need to speak? When do I need to shut up? What's genuinely helpful for me to say? You know, how can I kind of partner with with women, um, you know, for the sake of, yeah, my future sons and, you know, yeah, the world that we're kind of moving towards together. Because it, it, it is a... It is extremely can be extremely confusing for for blokes, you know, for guys. I, I've I've experienced sure. that as well, you know, because you're getting there's so many of the different narratives that are getting thrown at thrown at us in the media. You know, you've on one side you've got kind of I don't know if you saw the the big outcry against that Gillette ad that came out. Yeah. Um, there was that, and I kind of identify with with both sides. You know, there's a, there's a side that is going, yeah, man. There is a definitely a problem here that, as males, we just don't understand because we're not females and we've mm. never lived that way. But then there is also the other side that I kind of I have empathy for and and sympathise with a bit where it's going, but you can't paint us all that way if you know what I mean. And so if there if yeah. if what the podcast sounds like it will do is is really create awareness, but also just cut out some of that noise and that somebody yeah. can listen and actually listen to a somebody who's going through it and is giving um, 
life advice or advice from their own story as well, which that makes a so much much a bigger impact than just coming from an advertising company or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I reckon I reckon that'll take off, man. I think that's good. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting into it, and I'm looking forward to hearing more of your podcast. You know, like this is. Uh, I'm curious about who some of your other guests are, and I'd love to sort of see some of that journey you were talking about. How does it look from the first episode to you know one down the track as you continue to hone your your concept and your, your but you know yeah it's awesome man I'm I'm keen. I think I identified a bit when you were talking about like the humans of New York side. That's something that I really love. It's that um, you know I was trying to think about. Who who are the people that I learn from the most and how do I learn the most? And if I'm trying to read a business book, I really struggle to just read a business book if it's not a biography of a businessman or a businesswoman. Yeah, gotcha. And so, you know, and there's something, especially for me, but I feel like for a lot of people, there's something about somebody's story that yeah. is a lot easier to engage with and to learn from than just words on a page or some theory. Um, and so that's, I guess, that's what I'm trying to do here is just get people like yourself who are doing good things, have really cool dreams and visions in their heart to to just tell their story and where that comes from rather than just, hey, I'm an expert, here's some advice. Yes. And um, – so no, I, yeah, as I was saying, I don't know what that. I still don't know what that looks like. Obviously, I could use a bit of uh, lead by story to uh, communicate that a bit more better, and I'll probably be in touch about that one. But um, yeah, it's just one step at a time, you know, one guest at a time. For sure. Keep keep moving forward. That's all you can do. So good stuff. Well, we might wrap it up there if that's all right with you. Um, this yeah, has been man. so yeah, good. Definitely, I, I feel we should. I feel filled up. That was a good conversation. I got a lot yeah, out of it. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. So, thank you so much, mate, for being on the show. It's a it's a real privilege to have you on. The, someone who doesn't even live in in Brisbane. So, thanks, man. It was really good. The modern world, <laughs> hey. It's uh, <laughs> sounds like such an old person thing to say, but oh. <laughs> it is uh, it is amazing to be able to, yeah. uh, you know, like we never met each other and with you know hundreds of kilometers apart, but. Yeah, we are just having a good chinwag, like best buds. I felt like an old old fella this afternoon when I was flipping out, trying to figure out how to get Skype going and what I needed and all this sort of thing. I was like, "Gosh, man, I need to get, yeah. I need to be more in touch with what's going on." That's for sure. But that's all good. We made it, I reckon. So, mate, um, until next time, really looking forward to hearing the podcast, seeing how Lead by Story starts to take off sounds like you're already doing amazing things in that space and um one more thing where what's the best place for people to find you online do you have a website on facebook yeah so uh there are two websites which i know is kind of like it runs against all the having clarity and sort of being (laughs) you know consolidating things but i guess the first uh the first website is really about my own uh, poetry and books and, and work as a, as a spoken word artist and a writer. So that's just willsmall.com.au. And, um, you know, there's like blog posts and, and videos of, of poems and all of that up there. And then leadbystory.com.au is uh, 
where to head if you're interested in, yeah, you know, getting some help with some of that stuff around how to really figure out in your context, whether it's a, a business or whether you're a teacher or whether you, you know, a creative who's got a dream, um, you know, how to really use those communication skills, whether your goal is to get funding or whether your goal is to grow your audience. Um, yeah, all of those sort of things. So leadbystory.com.au. And then uh, you can probably find me on Facebook and all of that. The thing is, my name is is not very Googleable because if you just write Will Small, um, it starts to like auto predict questions. You know, Will Small rabbits uh, pop yeah. out of the ground, like <laughs> yeah. things like that. So yeah, it's um, it's an unfortunate name in that regard. But you know, it's the name my mama gave me, so I'm grateful exactly. for it. Exactly, <laughs> not changed. That's all right. I'm sure one day it'll be top of top of the uh, Google search. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Well, mate, thanks again for being on the show, and um, yeah, really excited for what you're going to do in the future. My pleasure, man. Thanks for reaching out, and look forward to listening to more of your episodes as they as they come. All the best for it. No worries at all. Thanks, mate. Hey guys, I just wanted to say a massive thank you for listening. It truly does mean the world to me that you would take time out of your busy day and listen to this podcast. I really value your support and really need your feedback in order to make this the best possible podcast for you. So please send me a Facebook message or an email with feedback. It can be constructive or criticism. It doesn't matter. I just want to make this the best it can possibly be for you guys. And also, feel free to recommend some guests I'm always looking to talk to interesting people and uh, I, need, I need input to find those people. So yeah, thanks again. I'm not very good at doing these outros, obviously, but hey, episode two, it can only get better from here. I hope you have an awesome week and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon in episode three.